Well, if you thought that I was going to start this podcast off and or show off, whatever term you want to use, uh, in a negative light, upset, beaten down, depressed, you'd be wrong. I'm, I feel I feel perfectly fine. This is part of baseball. This happens. It just so happened to happen tonight for the Cincinnati Reds. And you know what? I'm not all. I'm not really worried about it. I really do think I have an extreme confidence this team's going to bounce back, and they'll at at worst split the series. At worst, split the series. Maybe they might win the series, but they're definitely going to split the series. And then we come back home to the Nationals, and at that point, back to big time ball. So maybe I've already forecasted the next two games. I'm not here nor there, Nick. I don't know what you're going to say about this game, but have at it, brother. Well, not a whole lot. Uh, ben Lively was the first Reds pitcher to allow 13 runs in a game since legend Charles King Lair back in 1915. First time Reds allowed 21 runs in a game since 2009 to the Phillies. Hey, Reds uh, put up nine themselves, so there's that. Reds lose 20 to nine. Reds now 59 and 50 on the season. Brewers won, so the Reds lead in the National League Central down to half game. Cubs still four back. This does only count for one game. It does. A good reminder that this only counts for one game. I think that sometimes people are like, oh, this is embarrassing. I get it. I, I, I do understand that sentiment. But at the same time, it doesn't matter, man. It counts for one game. That's why if you look at the run differential, it, it it can be a little it can be a little misleading. Uh, I don't want to say in totally misleading, Nick, but it can be a little misleading. I mean, the truth is is that the Cubs padded a lot of stats tonight when uh, when Maley's pitching from the whatever sixth, seventh, eighth inning or whatever it was. So to sit here and think that uh, that you look at the run differential column and that should be a significant thing that you look at. That maybe that's just why the Cubs, in a way, they they. They've done this before. This isn't the first time the Cubs have scored 17, 18 runs and then laid an egg the next two games, so hopefully they do it again. You have on the rundown poor Ben. I don't know if that's the term that I would use. I mean, he's a Major League Baseball player. He gets paid, uh, I don't know if he gets paid millions of dollars, but he gets paid close to millions of dollars if he's not been paid millions of dollars already. And you know what? This is part of it. Part of it. You feel bad for him? I feel a little bad for the guy. I mean... He's a guy that that's really grinded through his career, you know, went over to Japan, um, has pitched really, really well for this team. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't I feel bad. That he doesn't deserve to have an ERA of five point two zero on his season. That's on the back of his baseball card. He's got to wear that. Uh, I thought, look, you know, he threw ninety four pitches. I, I, I don't know if what Cowboy said had any validity to it. He said that he thought. Lively told Bell, "Let me let me go as long as I can." Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Um, I, I do feel for the guy in that regard. Uh, David Bell had no choice. Like you've got to, <laughs> you got to get everything you can out of him. I mean, David Bell had to get an inning and a third out of Luke Maley today. But I mean, I don't know. I, f- I feel bad for the guy, but that's just because you're a nice guy. Maybe I'm not a nice guy. I, I don't feel bad for him. I think that he he's battling out there. He did his best, but at the end of the day. You know, it's his job to go out there and get outs. He wasn't able to do it. So, do I hope that he bounces back? Yeah, but I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to wonder how many times these guys are going to get a chance to bounce back before the Reds decide to implement some other options. And that obviously is the quiet trade deadline. Let's not jump to that yet, but that's obviously in the rundown as well. Maybe that's something we could get into briefly in regards to the fact that 
everybody's begging for starting pitching, starting pitching, starting pitching. I thought it was interesting to hear Nick Crawl get a chance to talk on the broadcast. Nick, I don't know if you got a chance to hear that, um, but it was nice to be able to hear his thoughts, although they're going to be very you know, close to the vest in regards to what he's going to say. He's not really going to ever tell the truth on a national broadcast or I guess on a RSN broadcast. But one topic I do want to talk about, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on uh, on really anything overly. I don't want to overreact on shows like this because I think it's easy to do that, and I I, I like to be I like to be somewhat based in in most of my um my takes, if you want to call them that. I I know people think oh toxic trace, and I do go on these rants from time to time. I like to have fun, but most of what I say, I mean, I don't really try to go outside this window and create narratives that I don't think it exists. But they just are so, you know, so on so clickbaity or whatever. I do think Kevin Newman sucks, though. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, I just think he sucks. I it, it is it's nothing against him. I I don't think that he can be a whole lot better than whatever his body allows him to be. He he's just the kid that's gotten passed by. You see it. We all have. We've all seen it. I. It's happened to me. It's happened to everybody that's played baseball. Whether it's your. It might be when you're six years old. It might be when you're ten years old. It might be when you're fifteen. It might be when you're thirty. It might be when you're forty. At some point, father time either catches up or you suck at baseball. And 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 and, and the time has come for Kevin Newman. He sucks at baseball. I don't know exactly what it is that he is doing out there at second base today. It almost looked like his 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 shoe his shoe preference and or his cleat preference or his 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 whatever his shoe deal was sponsored by Quick Crete. I I don't know how you can be that slow and look that unathletic on a baseball field when you have the sprint speed that he supposedly does. I really don't understand it, but that's here nor there. I I'll let you try to defend him. I don't know how you're going to defend and tell me that he should play really defensively at second base ever again. I mean, I would point out that's his first game in the field since the first game that he started in the field since July 6th. And why was that? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe because he had, <laughs> cause he had gastritis. <laughs> so <laughs> what you're <Maybe. laughs> he probably should have gone on a rehab assignment. All right. He probably should have gone on a rehab assignment. He probably should have played a couple games. That maybe is a fair criticism. Guys have played played in a while in the field. He had a terrible game today. Let's not forget this guy's absolutely mashed left-handed pitching this year. He has a role. I mean, the ball boy, the ball boy, and bat boy have roles too. All right. I mean, <laughs> we all have roles. My role is to sit my my on the couch and watch the games, and that's what your role is. His role should have nothing to do with second base ever again. Okay, I'm just gonna leave it at that. If he's at second base. I got a problem with David Bell. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been a guy that is has has come around on the bandwagon. You have, you have your 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 cult leadership of David Bell has sucked me in. I think that he does a pretty damn good job. He's prepared. However, this whole concept of playing him at second base is lunatic, especially if Spencer Steer feels comfortable playing second base because he could play first base, okay, and 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 maybe he wouldn't suck as bad at first base. He just can't play second base. He he has no range. His range is terrible. It's like phone. It's a phone booth. His defense has been very strange to me this year. Um, I, I he has not been very good defensively. I, I felt like he, I felt like he was real. Trace, would you agree with this? I felt like he was really, really bad the first. 
I don't know, six weeks of the season. And then I did feel like he did kind of was okay, at least for a while, you know, before tonight. I, I don't know. Do you think maybe this is uh, his defense is maybe a guy that, that hasn't played like this kind of role where he's played sparingly and that's kind of impacted him defensively? I I don't know what are you are you trying are you trying to suggest me Nick or I don't know what you said for the last 15 seconds but are you trying to suggest to me that Newman has a spot on this team in the infield at second short and or third base yes or no I want to know yes or no I think he has a role as a platoon player on this team I'll say this I think Kevin Newman is a better defensive player than Spencer Steer right now. I know he hasn't shown it, but Spencer Steer has not been a great defensive player either. Spencer has been a valuable what? player that's done a lot for this team. Spencer, look at his defensive numbers. Oh, They're Kirby. Terrible. Here we go. Oh, Kirby Licks. I, I, where in the world, Kirby, are you telling me that Spencer Steer didn't play good defensively? He's probably playing good defensively, maybe, just because one day he's left. The next day he's at first. The other day he's at DH. Now he's at second. Oh, now you got to go play third. Can you possibly play right field today? Yeah, maybe you can go play right field. I, I just, are you trying to convince me? That Kevin Newman is a better defender. I want to hear this with my own ears. Kevin Newman is a better defender than Spencer Steer. Say it, Nick. Yes, I believe. Oh Kevin Newman my God! And you know what? Player. This is the same guy that told me that Spencer Steer was going to have a lower OPS than who was that bum out in right field? What was his name? Will Myers. That's right. Remember that? We need to dig that take up too. Something about you and Spencer Steer. You must not be watching the same guy, N Nick. Let me be clear. He wears number seven. He plays on our team, all right? He wears number seven. Make sure you're not missing it. He's not wearing number 25. Is that what number? Nope, that's David Bell. 20, I, I hell, he, get the gas dry, between the gas stint and, and the fact he's never played, I can't even remember the clown's number anymore. Anyways, I, I, I've told, I, I, see, here's the thing. I was not going to get excited on this stream. Everything's fine. The Reds, the Reds are fine. They're going to bounce back tomorrow and win. I just can't believe we're having a rational conversation about Newman even sniffing the infield. Did you see the play he made today? Did you watch the play today? Okay, I'll tell you why his defensive metrics... I need to calm down. I'll tell you why his defensive metrics are fine. Because if the, if, 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 if the blind... That's the that the Chicago Cubs scorekeeper is gonna give is gonna give a hit on a guy that olays a ball. It looked like he was scared. It looked like my ten year old son the first time I ever hit him a hard ground ball. He's like, oh here it comes, oh here it comes, watch out! And the next thing you know, that's a hit. Well, if that's a hit, then yeah, Kevin Newman, sure, I guess he's a great defender if that's a hit. Because in my world, that's an error. If I was Ben Lively, I'd tell him just leave the leave the glove in the dugout, bro. If you if you're not going to try to get in front of the ball and make a play, don't worry about it. But anyways, that's here nor there. I I I know you're probably like, oh, you know, Trace is rambling on. I think Kevin Newman sucks at baseball. I'm never going to agree with the fact that he's a better defender than Spencer Steer. Never, not even one iota. Only thing I would add here is the defensive metrics have absolutely nothing to do with the official score. It's completely separate, completely different. The, how it scored an error or a hit, it's it's not not involved. I don't know. Kevin Newman has a pretty pretty long track record of being at least an average to slightly above average defender. 
I do think maybe there's something about him because he's he's been a guy that really throughout his entire career has played almost every day. This is really the first year he's kind of been in a role where he plays very sparingly, and I think yeah. it's maybe messed up a little bit. Perhaps. Or the gastritis got to him. And, but Spencer Steer has really, really bad defensive numbers. Like, I like can they both be bad defensively? Is that possible? Well, I mean, you say that, but I think Spencer Sears not maybe great in left field, but that's no fault to his own. I mean, he has minus four outs above average at third, minus six at first base, not really an, even any data yet on second base. Uh, I'm interested to see how he looks at second base. He says he's more comfortable there. And again, just, like I've said, I said, you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to be a prisoner to small samples of these stats. Can I ask a simple but question that you may or may not know the answer to? Because, I mean, I'm sure there's way more people out there that are clueless like me. Just absolute idiots when it comes to this analytic stuff. If if scoring isn't a metric that's used to help these defensive metrics, what is it exactly? Is it just where they're positioned on the field, the exit velocity of a pitch, and whether they made a play or not? Explain to me where these numbers come from, or do we not know that? And that's okay if you well, don't. There, there's two very different different metrics the first one is the defensive run saved defensive run saved is pretty much entirely a human eye test but it's an independent agency called the fielding bible that watches every play they give a scoring number for each play and they have a calculation and that's how defense hold runs on get, get. so to but be it's, clear it's not, a, it's not a it's not official score this is one this is one metric no i'm i'm asking this i'm asking a genuine question i'm not trying to be funny i mean maybe it might come off that way so what you're telling me is, is that the, the is that the metrics that we're using aren't math based. There, there's a human element involved. There's a human element involved based off the decision making and based off what they think is someone good at defense or not. That's the defensive run save. That's been the longest standing advanced metric. But the new one is Statcast, which is completely computer based, which is completely basing it off their positioning. How 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 big their range is, the throws, all that kind of stuff. It's completely 100% computer based. So what I like to do is I like to look at both because I think both will tell you a picture. And you maybe you know because that's this especially over short samples you could really have some poor data I think. And over the course of Kevin Newman's career, uh, the, it's funny the computers actually say he's better than the the eye test. But uh, when you say his career, in my opinion, what is it? What does it matter what he did for the Pirates three years ago? He's not that guy. I mean, he might not even be close to that guy anymore. Well, because short samples can really lead to some some crappy results, which is why I've said Spencer Steers is not completely fair. I, I agree. Like, the numbers, all I see is the numbers, I they look pretty bad. I think if you give him, they say to give it three years to, to have enough data to make any sort of definitive conclusions. And that's why you have to kind of go back a little bit further for a player like Kevin Newman to kind of see where he's at. I don't know. I mean, it's just Kevin Newman like came up as a shortstop. Like he was traded to the Reds as a shortstop. I just I have to believe he could be at least defense decent defensively. Here's what I don't understand, and this is what I don't. This is what this is where I just I and I, and, and this happened when I worked in the in the scouting and and when I was when I did scouting for for college and all that. What somebody did two three years ago should not have a bearing over what you see with your eyes now. You can sit, and I'm not saying, let's hear me out for just a second. Guys change. Guys get better or they get worse. No one stays the same hardly ever. And yes, over a certain period of time, you could say, well, 
he's going to come out to his average because we've seen enough of a sample size. But at some point, that's not true either because guys get worse and they have to retire because they used to be good and then they suck. So if you can't use your own eyes by figuring out when a guy might start being on the sucky side of his career, a la Kevin Newman, then I can't help you. If you can't watch Kevin Newman tonight and feel feel like he's absolutely a trash bag on fire in the middle of Brooklyn, I don't know what to tell you. He looks like he's lost out there. He's he's olaying balls that, quite frankly, were important at the time when it's when when the final score is twenty to nine. Nick, I do sound like an idiot when I say that was an important play of the game. But you know what? That was early in the game. And that would have led to probably a qu- an early out, and you never know what can happen. But no, he wants to olay it. I almost thought it was so bad. I thought maybe the umpire got in his way. God, God's honest truth. I'd ask him after the game on that on that ball that was hit to you the very first the very first ball that was hit to you in the game. Did you see it? Did the umpire get in the way of it? Walk me through what happened right there, because you decided to olay it. I I, I don't know. I thought he was terrible tonight. I'm not saying he was good. I thought he was terrible. Yeah. I'm just saying the guy hadn't started in a month. We'll see. And, I, you know, it's like an 0 for 4. That's like, fair. But I would just that, say that's this. How, that's how I view it. If, if, if Kevin Newman doesn't have, he doesn't have the freedom to suck this bad. If, 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 you're, if you're only going to get to play once every two weeks, you can't be this bad. And I know that's not fair, but that's very similar to like a kicker, in my opinion, in football. I mean, yeah, you might only get one or two kicks this game in a big game. You might only get one kick. You, you don't. You can't mess it up. If you mess it up, there's plenty of other guys in this league that can mess it up just as good. That have other things they bring to the table that I would argue are better from a metric standpoint that we could utilize. All right, that's enough on Kevin Newman. I, I the, the other final point was Tyler Stevenson. I know I put out a tweet on him. I, I think that I'm off. I'm, I'm off of the the luring back in on the on the Tyler Stevenson thing. I just can't do it anymore. I've tried. I'm just done with it. I'm gonna let it ride. I'm not gonna be toxic about it. I'm not gonna be a hater. I'm not gonna be like, oh, Tyler Stevenson every single game. He's he's horrible. I'm just gonna tell you, I'm I'm off the way. I'm off the bandwagon. I don't think that's a guy that you can win a World Series with catching. I don't think that's a guy really that you could rely on in any postseason format catching. There's too many meaningful pitches in postseason play. The margins are so small in postseason play that he'll ultimately end up costing us in ways in which he can't even help or control. I don't think it's his fault. I just don't think that he has the skill set to be able to be a good catcher. He just doesn't have it. I hate that, but that's the facts. Yeah, I mean, Luke Maley's look so good. That also kind of makes it a little bit more challenging of a situation. I'm not ready to give up on Tyler. I just I don't think he's caught enough games to really... To, to have any sort of definitive opinion on him long term, I think it takes a long time to develop catchers. Um, I, I thought that Clay Can Snowden you give me brought one, up a really. Yeah, I was gonna, I thought, go ahead, go ahead. I thought Clay Snowden brought up a really good point when he brought up the numbers, like on catching framing with like Tucker Barnhart, uh, where his first like three years were atrocious, and then they got significantly better. So I, I think he could still develop. The proper Tyler Stevenson is. He's catching on a on a contender, <laughs> and we didn't expect that this year. And now you're kind of in a in a spot where you're like, he he could be costing the team at times, especially the, the this the, there's two issues here. The first issue is, is he's not hitting enough to offset the defensive struggles. Like if he had an 850 OPS right now, 
I think we're probably like, you know, you know what? Some of these struggles aren't that big of a deal. We can kind of work through it. But when he's not hitting well, and I know he hit a home run tonight, so it's kind of yeah, not exactly the the most fair night to say this, but he, he he's not he's not pulling enough weight right now on a contend on a contending team. Yeah, I I would just and and you don't have to have this answer right now, and I know you 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 are always so. Uh, what's the right term, whether it's nice or forgiving or giving guys the benefit of the doubt, you do do that a lot. Um, and that's a good attribute to have. My only question would be, and maybe you'll have this answer tomorrow, Tyler Stevenson's been catching his whole life. Do we, do, do you, and I'm not, this is more hyperbole, do you think that he actually can get that much better? Like, what, and if so, can you give me another catcher that's his age and within maybe a two- or three-year window, he went from being a significantly below-average catcher to being an average defensive catcher or an above-average defensive catcher? It's almost like you either got it or you don't. When you get to this level, you either got it or you don't. Can you get a little bit better, Nick? Yes, you can. But again, we're talking about framing statistics in general. There's more to catching than just the framing portion when I'm talking about Tyler Stevenson. I'm talking about lateral quickness, being able to block pitches, being able to call a game, being able to be small enough in a strike zone to let the to let the umpire see most of the pitches. I think a lot of the problem is with Tyler Stevenson isn't it well what some of it's his receiving, the his ability to catch the ball in general, but some of it I think is just how big of a frame he has. He blocks the umpire's vision in which the mannerisms he has behind the plate sometimes. And I don't think that he can fix that. I really don't. But, again, I'm not suggesting that that, it, that he can't get better a little bit. But to tell me that he can be significantly better, I, I don't know. We'll find out. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. The Reds will obviously have to make a tough decision here relatively soon in regards to where they go or what they do. Maybe not, obviously, the deadline's passed, but maybe going into the next offseason or certainly going to the to the following year after that they're going to have to make some decisions. And I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth. I know you're not like a huge TV, you're you're not sitting here and say Stevenson's the answer. I think you're just trying to say that these he's got room for improvement or he's got an ability to improve. Yeah, I mean I just I think he if he could just get anywhere close to average, I think he could be a solid big league catcher. Because I I think he's going to hit at least average. I think if you have an average defensive catcher and average hitter that's actually a pretty solid player. That's a pretty valuable player. So, sure. I don't, I don't know if it's that big of a gap. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little too, too nice to Tyler. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, Tyler's not like a huge problem right now. I'm not suggesting that he's like the sole reason this team is 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 going to miss the playoffs or, or or you know not go to the NLCS or something crazy like that. I just always there, there's games where there's games where you you love and you enjoy the excitement that is the youth and in the movement that we have and all the young pieces and but then there's also games where you watch the game and you think to yourself okay if I close my eyes and I imagine this team in a year or two trying to be like the Braves the the Braves have two catchers right now that are better than Tyler Stevenson yeah and it's hard for me to sit here and believe. And I know using the Braves as an example is is probably not a fair one, maybe, but you know, it's just it's just one of those things where I don't know if I see Tyler Stevenson on a team that 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 he's catching every single day, and he's on a team that's 
going to have a chance to win a World Series. We'll see. Uh, quiet trade deadline. Go ahead. You got any final thoughts on that? La- last point is... Yeah, go ahead. Today was his 158th career game starting behind the plate. It's not a lot. You know, he had, the tw- he had the 2020 season, got pretty much wiped away, didn't even get to catch in the minor leagues. Then he had that really brutal injury last year. So... I, I'm willing to be a little more patient and uh, and and see. I hope he has a big off season. I hope he, I hope he finds a I don't know a Ryan Hannigan and goes and works out with him and and really you know works on his craft because I also don't know how much time he was actually able to work this last off season because I, I don't know the shoulder injury. I, I don't know how much time he had to take off. So I, I hope he really works this off season and I'd be willing to see what he could do after a full off season, staying health you know hopefully staying healthy be able to work all off season, come back and see what he could do next year. Okay. No, that's fair. Uh, two points that have been made. I want to bring up in the chat. One is, is uh branch Brown says ABS stops all this framing stuff. It does. But I mean, if that's, the, if that's what we're waiting on for our catcher, then that's kind of a wild thing. I mean, that's all I would say. I mean, if, 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 if that's our saving grace for the catcher that we think is our future catcher, well, let's hope. I mean, I do think it's coming, but I mean, that's kind of a wild thing. They'd be like, uh, oh, might, yeah, yeah, yeah. He might, not be here, he might not even be here before Tyler's career is over with the Reds. Yeah. But it was, and then Molly says, um, Molly says quickly, she says, well, the Braves are damn good. That's a bad example. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's the point that I'm trying to make is that eventually that's who we have to be to win a World Series in a way. Like, that's who, you, that's who you're trying to accomplish. That's who you're chasing. That's who you want to become. The Bengals fans probably look at the, looks at the Chiefs and they think, okay, we need to be just as good as the Chiefs, if not better, to win to win the Super Bowl. You're not comparing yourself to the Browns. That that's what I'm saying is like we have to be just as good as the as the Braves at some point, and I think we can be. But when I look at the Braves, I wonder and ask myself, okay, what do the Braves have that we don't? And they have two catchers, two of them that are just better than than our one. But that's here nor there. And again, this game. This has nothing to do with the game tonight. I mean, who gives a rat's tail? We lost twenty to nine. It's not a big deal. It's just there's something to talk about on August first, and we're still in first place. I'm not worried about it, but it's just something to discuss. Quiet trade deadline. I had no problem with it. We had a little bit of a trade talk earlier today. Um, Nick, I don't know if you've had more time to ponder over it. If you have different thoughts, but but at the end of the day, I I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I don't have an issue with it, and um, I don't feel like it's, you know, after the fact, I think we kind of said going in, we wanted for sure the Reds to get a left-handed reliever. They did get that. We would have loved for the Reds to get a starter, but not to overpay. And based on just about every trade that I saw, it didn't seem like any of them made sense. The one thing I did kind of think about, Trace, after, you know, having a little bit of time to think about it today is, I don't remember i don't remember seeing a single pitcher that got traded that was like a straight salary dump i don't remember anyone anyone like in that's in position players too i don't really remember almost anyone that was like a salary dump like everyone had some sort of prospect like even lance lynn (laughs) fetched a decent prospect um and that's that was what i was banking on a couple weeks ago we were talking about this is i think the Reds should be looking for that salary dump pitcher and i if someone in the chat can think of someone, please let me know. I was kind of looking through, and I was like, everyone costs a prospect. Um, and so that, that I think, maybe changed some of the Reds' thinking because I know Crawl. I know a lot of people went back and said, Crawl said they were going to spend some of the extra money that they have 
there, I, I don't think there was an extra, there was a player that became available that was literally just money like like you would take on um, in the past. Like uh, an example of this, back in 2019, Reds took on Kevin Gossman for nothing. Now that was off the waiver wire, but it still would have been the same concept this year. And obviously Kevin Gossman ended up turning up. <laughs> Reds fixed him and turned him into a great pitcher. But that was the kind of move that you could get for nothing. And I don't think there was a move like that available this year. No, it was it was not it was not a buyer's market. It just wasn't. And that's what I think this wild card has done to a small extent, Nick. Like I asked what the Padres were doing earlier today. I was like, what are what are the Padres doing? You know, like they're they're out here trading away prospects for guys that are they really gonna help them that much? And if you're the Pirates, I'd be thrilled to death to get back um something that could possibly help you when you have a chance to compete maybe in a year or two or maybe two or three years, whatever that whatever they they think their window is. Um but that's what the wild card does, and I think that's actually a good thing, Nick. I, I think it's a good thing. I, I like the idea that there's a, there's more fan bases that that are active. There's more fan bases that think at the trade deadline that their team should be buyers because that's better for the sport. It, how, how nice is it to see a bunch of Reds fans this year arguing? And and I say, I say that in a, in, a, in a fun, nice way. It, it, when I some people take arguing as this as this negative thing, I think arguing healthy can be some of the best. It can be some of the best interactions you have in your life. You can learn a lot of things from arguing with people um, if you if you open your mind and you listen. But I like the idea of, of, of fans arguing over whether or not you should go get this guy or go get that guy or whether you should be buyers or sellers or whether you should hold Pat. That's what this game needs. And I think more importantly, when we discuss kind of uh, Major League Baseball as a whole, you know, allowing more teams in the playoffs ultimately does that and I think the more and more teams or fan bases you can keep engaged and excited uh, is a great thing for the product. Baseball's growing. It needs to grow. They've made the product so much more consumable. I know that many people were worried about the time, the pitch clock, and the and the and then maybe the bigger bases and you know with the three batter rule and all these things where it was taken away from the game and whatever it may be. Listen, this game is very is very rooted. In statistics, it's very rude in, in history. People don't really like to change much when it comes to nostalgic things. I'm not naive to that. But this game had to evolve, and it did evolve, and it has evolved, and it's so much better now than it used to be that I, I like it. I enjoy it. However, every year, you can't assume that your team's going to go out and make this huge splash at the deadline because the main thing that I always hear, Nick, and I, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, is like every time you want to bring up something, it's like about some big arm. Like, oh, we needed to go get a starting pitcher. And you asked a very pointed, easy question that is, okay, you wanted a starting pitcher. Who do you think they should have gone and got? And then the answers are kind of like, well, yeah, but they could have gotten this guy. They could have gotten that guy. And it's like, okay, well, if they would have gone out and gotten this guy, who are you willing to give up? And just remind yourself that the, that the other team is not going to give up somebody <clears throat> that has team control and or they're not going to give up somebody that they think has value if they don't think they're getting the better end of the deal too. So just because Nick Crawl decided to stand pat, I don't think it says one thing about the competency competency level of the front office. Yeah, I mean one of the biggest criticisms, and, and I think the most fair criticism 
of, of the Reds ownership group over the last however many decades they've had is that they haven't stuck to a plan. Well, they have stuck to the plan to a T so far. Um, I think that, that look, I think you can make a case that, that giving up your, a top 10 prospect for Michael Lorenzo wouldn't be like completely straying from the plan and could be okay. Like, I don't think that that would have like wrecked the Reds farm system or anything like that, but let's, Put that aside and think about it. Is that really a wise decision? What are we talking? 12, 10, 12 starts of Michael Lorenzen right. for a player that could play six years in the big leagues? Do you really want to risk that you're giving away the wrong one? Because we have no most of the players that you're going to give away, like if it's a Sal Stewart, do you want to risk for 12 starts of Michael Lorenzen that you're giving away a, a, a the next Matt McLean or the next uh, Spencer Steer or whoever? Yeah. That that's where you really have to weigh these things, and uh, um, you know, look, Nick Crawl, Nick Crawl's gonna play the long game. So yeah, I, I kinda I, I hate to say it, but this is gonna be the Reds going forward, unless there's a drastic change of course. Uh, I, I think there'll be times where maybe they make that more aggressive move, but I don't think it's gonna be when their playoff odds are below fifty percent. I think it's gonna be when they're like the race. And the Rays, their playoff odds are like 95% right now. And they've got some players that they only have a couple years of control left. Right. Reds don't Reds aren't in that spot. Listen, in two Reds, or three years, Reds, you're right. In two or three years, if Ellie, McLean, Steer, Abbott, all these guys that we obviously are babies now, let's say, for instance, we are like the Braves. Let's say, for instance, we are we 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 are like a, a Dodgers or or whoever else you want to pick. Maybe it's the Rays. I do think Nick Kroll in that ownership group will go out and make a push. Do I think that they'll do what they've done in the past, which is hold on to guys too long anymore? I don't. I think they've learned that. I think they'll they'll know that, hey, if this guy's got one or two years left in this organization, even though he's extremely valuable, if we can't get something out of him, we have to move on from him. We're not going to hold on to him and get absolutely nothing out of him. So knowing that, I would just remind everybody that the reason that, that that we've gone long, long, long times without winning baseball games in this town is largely because of the opposite things that Nick Crawl has been doing as of late. So whether or not you want to judge it and say that you're upset and frustrated, I'm not here to tell you how you should feel. I, I, I just want to remind you that the reason that we've gone long extended periods of not having successful baseball in this town is because we've never had prospects come up and be worth a damn. And we've always had to go out and try to find the answers. It, it Wouldn't it be nice, Nick, at some point to just have the answers come right on up? Because you could make the argument, right? You could make the argument that if, if you just continue to develop, I'm not saying you'll never need an, you'll never need something at the deadline. But you could make the argument that your answers are going to fall within your organization at the deadline instead of always feeling like you got to go out and buy and buy and buy and buy. Because that's eventually not going to be the answer. So hopefully Connor Phillips ends up being a guy. And to your point, the last point I want to make on this is what you said is absolutely 100% correct. We can't be in a position where we're taking chances, where our statistical chances of winning the World Series or winning a playoff series are relatively low, if we're being honest. Can, can, can we as fans cloud our vision at times and think that we're better than we are? Maybe. 
And I'm not suggesting that we can. I'm not dashing our hopes and dreams here. But I just want to remind everybody, we were supposed to win 65 games. That has to play. That has to play some of the role. If, 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 you're, if you have the mindset right now that, you're, that, you, that you think, oh, it doesn't matter if we were supposed to win 65 games. That, that, that shouldn't matter at all. Well, then you're not seeing the big picture. Because a lot of these young guys are ahead of schedule. Let's use our bandwidth and our power to go after it when those guys are bona fide studs. And you know what the argument back to us, Nick, might be? You know what they're going to say? Well, what happens if they're not? What happens in two years if these guys aren't as good as they are this year? Maybe it's just a one-hit wonder. Maybe it's a flash in the pan. Well, if that's the case, we're screwed anyways. We're screwed anyways. Then, 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 then our plan's not working. I like to bet on the fact that Nick Crawl's plan is not luck. It's actually skill-based. That's where I'm at. Yeah, and I mean, I like that you brought up Connor Phillips. That is the next answer. And the reason the Reds have that answer is because they didn't hold on to Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker too long. A trade that was incredibly unpopular, a trade that many of the same loud speakers that are very critical of the Reds trade deadline were very much against. That has turned out to be a great, great trade for the Reds' future with their best hitter against right-handed pitching and Drake Fraley. Uh, Brandon Williamson, who's been a huge piece of this rotation, and Connor Phillips, who I think is going to be the best piece of that entire trade, that's going to be that answer that's going to come up. That's not going to be a, a two-month rental. He's going to be a guy you have for six years of control that could be a bona fide top-of-the-rotation starter because you stuck to the plan and you didn't screw around. Yeah, and you know, here's this thing where like, I think that there's like this uh, culture war within Red's fandom, it feels like, at times. And people want to pin us up against other other podcasts and other people and things like that. And 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 you know what? Like most of my takes and I even yours, like they're not aimed at people. There's different ways of looking at things in life. There's different types of mindsets. And my only thing about that is like I would like for our fan base to be a relatively educated fan base, like a fan base that actually understands the dynamics that are at play within the whole system. Major League Baseball is not a fair and equitable fight, man. It's not. Shit's rigged, basically, for teams that spend a lot of money. Can you get by if you're smart, Nick? Yes, you can. But some of the stuff that Phil said, you could say whatever you want. I'm not here to defend the man. I'm not here to, to, to bootlick the guy. Whatever term you want to use, I'm not here to do that for Phil. Do I think he's an idiot for what he's said? Yeah. Do I think he's an arrogant prick that probably has grown up rich, started on third base? Yes. But does that mean he can't make a good point that's actually true? He has made good points that are true. MLB just don't want him to come out and say those things because you probably shouldn't say them if you're the owner of a team, which is this, this, this whole thing that is in Major League Baseball is not a fair and equitable fight when it comes to basically even playing field. It's just not. So the Reds have to be smart. They have to be patient. They can't try to play like the big dogs and think they're going to get away with it. They can't be the Dodgers, Nick. They can't. They can't do what the Dodgers did and give away prospects for Lance Lynn and know on the back end that they'll probably be able to just fill that hole with money on one or two position players down the road. That's that's the truth, like it or not. Doesn't mean the Reds can't compete. Doesn't mean the Reds can't win. But that's part of the truth. And it's not even the Dodgers. It's just look at the team the Reds played tonight. Doesn't matter how much the Reds spend. And I think we all want the Reds to spend more. 
I would love for the Reds to spend more. I think the Reds should open their pockets a little bit in free agency this this offseason. No question about it. But the Reds' money is always going to run out before the Cubs' money. It, I don't know how anyone could even think otherwise. Like, it's going to. Look at their resources. So you have to outsmart them. You have to be more patient than them. You have to not give in to the, the fan base. And, and the one thing you got going for you is you don't have as many. You don't have as many people. You don't have six sports talk radio shows right. at, at your head when you, you got a chance to win. But I tell you what. I tell you what, though. I think we do. We got to give Reds fans a little bit more credit. Because uh, Lance McAllister, he put out a poll today. And I about fell out of my chair when I read it. I was like, what? Are you cool with what Nick Crawl and the Reds did at the trade deadline? 3,295 votes, 71.5% said yes. 28.5 said no. So you know what? I think this is one of those cases, Trace, where I think it's a loud minority <laughs> that, that That's fair. is is uh, is here. And I don't think Lance has like a, a chatterbox Reds type support, <laughs> you know? Right. I, I think he's, you know, is, is middle of the road. He's on 700 WLW. So I don't know. I saw that. I was like, I, hey, you know what? You know what? Hey, I'm proud of you, Reds fans. I think we kind of get it here. Maybe it is the silent, silent minority. Or the what would it be? The vocal minority would be the term to use there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're in a position where, at this point, it is what it is because Nick Crawl did what he did, and he doesn't give a damn what the Reds fans think, and that's probably the way it should be. All right. Reds, M-I-L-B. Got some good stuff tonight. Do we? All right. We got some good stuff. And uh, start right away with our guy, Connor Phillips. Louisville Bats, they won uh, 3-2 over Omaha. The Bats scored two runs in the bottom of the ninth to walk off the Omaha Storm Chasers. Bats now 54-47. and 47. Connor Phillips, five shutout innings, just three hits allowed. Struck out four. Connor Phillips now has a 1.95 ERA through six, six starts at AAA. Uh, Marte, 0 for 2, did walk twice, stole a big. Uh, Jose Barrero um, did steal a base as well. And then Casey Legumina on his rehab assignment pitched a perfect inning. Tony Santion also threw a scoreless inning. Uh, Chattanooga, they lost 9-2 to Tennessee. A rough night. That's the Cubs affiliates. So <laughs> rough night overall for the Reds uh, against the Cubs. Uh, lookouts 51-45 and 45 on the air. Reese Hines 1-4. for four. Uh, Blake Dunn 0-4. Oh, for four. Dayton Dragons, they won 5-4. Uh, Dragons, they've now won 9 of 10, now 51 and 46 on the season. Uh, playing really, really well of late. Edwin Arroyo, 1 for 3, double, stole his 23rd base of the year. Matt Nelson hit his 13th home run. So Dayton Dragons playing really good baseball. And our Daytona Tortugas, they finally got a big win. They won 11-2 over St. Lucie. They ended their six-game losing streak, now 41-53 and on the year. And there was some big-time performances from um, some guys that maybe came up in some trade discussions. And Nick Kroll said, I'm not trading any of these guys. Uh, Cam Collier, 3-for-5 with a double. Sal Stewart, 3-for-3, three three, double, stole his 10th bag. Hector Rodriguez, 3-for-4 with a double. And Victor Acosta, 2-for-5. So all the big players down at Daytona had a big night. And we don't talk about the Arizona Complex Reds a lot. But Hunter Green threw two shutout innings, only allowed one hit, no walk, struck out three in his return. Vladimir Gutierrez, he also pitched a score saying it was his second game for the ACL Reds. And then hopefully I don't butcher uh, our young hero's name. Uh, Shing N. Lin made his professional debut. The 17-year-old shortstop 
was over two with two strikeouts, got lifted early. I'm sure that was probably planned just to kind of get his feet wet, but uh, nice to see him making his professional debut. Another talented player in the Cincinnati Reds organization. Who, what, when, where, and why, Nick? I know everybody might know, but they want to know probably who's on the mound. Let them know about it. All right, Reds-Cubs, game three of four of this four-game series. Cubs will have Drew Smiley on the mound, uh, eight and seven, four point five zero ERA. Last six starts, he's got a six point nine four ERA. Fielding independent pitching, that's six point four five also. So, uh, not looking good there. Drew Smiley has struggled at Wrigley Field this year. He's got an ERA of five point nine four, and against the Reds this year, in two starts, he's got an ERA of ten point six. Sixteen hits in nine and a third innings. So. Uh, Reds, uh, another lefty. So guess what? You're probably gonna see Newman in there tomorrow, brother. No, I God, I hope he hits. A, I hope he hits a grand slam. Oh man! All right, and then Brandon Williamson for the Reds, three and two, four point four eight ERA. Brandon Williamson has not allowed a home run in five of his last six starts, and after what we witnessed tonight, that stat is very encouraging. Uh, he's been outstanding in July. Uh, well, it's August now, but. Five starts in July, he had an ERA of 2.45. So, Brandon Williams has been a huge part of this team. He faced the Cubs earlier this year, back on May 27th. It's only his third career start. Four and a third innings, four earned runs allowed. Um, Reds came back and won that game 8-5 at Wrigley. The, Red, the Reds are going to win one of the next two games. They might, they might win them both. I'm telling you, I feel confident in that. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. We greatly appreciate all of the love and support. If you have not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, well, what are you waiting for? Do it right now as we have new episodes available bright and early the morning after every single Reds game this season, just in time for your daily commute, your morning coffee, or however else you get your day started. And also, make sure that you're subscribed to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube so you can join us live after every single Reds game this season and be a part of the conversation. Hit the bell and turn on notifications also so you can get alerts on your phone whenever we go live. We hope that you have a fantastic day. And as always, go Reds.